This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, our guest from KMOX St. Louis, Ryan Recker, checks in with us and helps us understand and shares in conversation about Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, and cereal. Because, you know, it's The Shift. That's what we do. Are you okay with yo mama jokes? They're an old idea. It might be making a comeback with some edits and a dinosaur butthole. There's a dinosaur butthole on the podcast. Someone found a dinosaur butthole, so it's on the podcast. Sir Christopher Gilbert's International Dispatch. We connect with Chris. He's in Tokyo. We talk about his home country of New Zealand as they go crazy over one new COVID case. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. All right, Ryan Recker is down at KMOX St. Louis. It's time to push the button. Let's say hello to America as America says hello to Canada. Connecting the Shift and Ryan Recker from Overnight America via KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. Welcome to The Shift and Ryan Recker at KMOX in St. Louis. Are we all wired up? We got the buttons pushed. Is he there? Oh, there he is. Look at that. Yes. You know, we were pretty close to uh, high-fiving each other right at the same time. It was very close. (laughs) And that's all credit to Matt and your technical operator there who give us the timing. They tell us what to do. And uh, if we don't do it, it's a problem. And if we do it, it works. It's funny how that all happens. I know. Well, you know, last week we were talking about the Keystone Pipeline. I had no idea how many people in Canada were upset about the Biden administration's decision to uh, cut back on that. So that is probably still a big thing because apparently our two uh, country leaders were supposed to talk about it. I don't know if they have yet or not. Yeah, they did. They had a conversation, and in uh, true Canadian style, as our prime minister does, uh, he <laughs> he expressed his concern, and by acknowledge- Biden acknowledged his concern, and they moved on. <laughs> so thanks for, so really thanks for all the no effort. So really there is no chance, is there? It's like there's no, no chance of turning back at this point, and I guess this is something that Canadians are still very upset about when they get to voice their opinion. They're not happy that this is being cut off. Well, no, it's a big deal, and it's it's a lot of the um, the the sales pitch about sort of anti oil. There's two of them actually. There's Enbridge Line Five, which is another one that goes through Minnesota, and it delivers an awful lot of product as well. And there's an awful lot of pushback there too. So there's more than one target here. And the question is, I mean, America's worked hard to become somewhat energy efficient, right, and do a good job with that, and um, yeah. and and good for the economy for doing it. But the reality is, is that. You know, there's so much, I mean, so much dirty oil in the world. And this is the perspective I think that I take is that, you know, there's so much dirty oil in the world that come from nations without human rights and rights for women and all kinds of stuff like that. And yet North America can be completely self-sufficient and have more to sell to the rest of the world. That is the most environmental product out there. And it's getting better all the time. So... You know, but no, you know, we get in our own way politically. I, I would say down there, I don't know, but I would say down there and up here, we all get in our own way. And, um, and, and, you know, those other countries keep selling their stuff. So it sucks because there's, I don't know how many, there's t- thousands of people lost their jobs the day that that order was signed. Oh, yeah. So, and, and down and in America. I remember too, back right? in the, yeah, it, well, of course, and the, the repercussions of that. 
during a pandemic when you're trying to get the unemployment rate down, it's already so high. But I remember back in the 2000s during the Bush administration when this topic would come up and the big opposition to it was that you might, you know, hurt some seals and, you know, it might disrupt. But they've moved away from that sort of thing, mostly because they just don't like the source of energy anymore. It's like they found another thing. And it's unfortunate. It's just terrible timing. And all things considered, this thing was not only good for jobs, but the energy independence, like you mentioned, as the United States started working on that, we wanted to find ways to not be reliant on, you know, foreign oil and, you know, go back into the 2000s. Reliance on foreign oil is something that uh, Bush was always criticized for. Like there was the running joke that, you know, they'll go start another war for their oil or whatever. We didn't have to worry about that anymore. And then here we are back at it again. They're going to try to force the hand for something that's not going to work, uh, at least in a mass scale. Yeah. Well, and you would think that the, you think that we would have learned a lesson. Hey, like when we look at, uh, masks and when we look at, um, you know, ventilators and we look at all of these things, including these, uh, the viruses and the vaccines, right? You know, there, there's no structure I know in Canada, um, to create the vaccine. There's all kinds of pharmaceutical research in Canada, but there, there just isn't. So when you look at even things like masks and PPE, we all had to in North America, mostly it's not perfect, like it, not everything, but rely on other countries in order to save our butt in this. And uh, you heard the stories out of America, and we heard them in Canada too, that the stockpiles of PPE were either you know so old or not enough, and yet we had to rely on other countries to do it. And you, if if that's not less than enough in this about you know um, investing in Canada, Canadians investing in Canada, Americans investing in America, and we're literally right next door. Car parts go back and forth so many times across the border from being created and put together and assembled, then getting put into cars. Like it's an absurd number of exchange times back and forth. And so, yeah, why can't they figure out this, this economy and, and make sure that it you know works for everybody? I, I, I just don't get it. Maybe I'm too simplistic. It could be. No, but it's nice that you guys are polite. So your prime minister, who has a nice beard going right now, does, does his, how yeah. long has he been growing that for? Through COVID, just before COVID, I think. Yeah, yeah that's what he's known <laughs> he's for. He's known nice for being handsome. Going. That's about it. Yeah. Oh, he's known for being handsome. Well, he's known for other things. There's a few other things I remember. Uh, so the Tell controversies, me. I guess. Socks. Oh, what he what nice. he's known for? Okay, I'll tell you everything I know about your prime minister. So yeah, is, yeah, was yeah. his dad also a prime minister? He was. Yeah, it was dreadful. Okay. Okay, I'll try to tell you everything I know about him, and this is going to be sad because you know a lot more about American politics than I do uh, Canadian politics. I, I understand the way your system works where you vote for parties and then the party has a leader and that puts that leader in. I understand that. That's mm -hmm. very simplistic. The controversy of the blackface, I remember that, <laughs> and the yearbook Terrible. photos and things or when he was a teacher. Um yeah. Any other controversies? I oh, The only other thing I know is that when he goes on the world stage, they like to show videos of him trying to get a handshake and no one <laughs> shakes his hand like they like they kind of like <laughs> look the other way. So the, he's kind of like shunned as in looked at as a lower leader or something. It feels like they, they kind of play that card to him. Um, let's see. I don't know. Th that's about all that comes to mind right now. That's probably that's interesting. bad. That's good. Yeah, yeah. He's a trust fund baby. Uh, Part-time teacher. Yeah. And uh, he was a part-time drama teacher at that. Not that there's anything wrong with drama, but I just would think that it's it, maybe it's very fitting to become uh, president or prime minister if we look at the history of both of our countries and say that, hey, a drama teacher does a good job there or at least uh, tries to sell stuff. <laughs> maybe he fits in nicely. Maybe we've got this all screwed up.
Yeah, boy. Well, that's that's all I know. I, I should probably know more about this sort of thing, but I, that's about where I'm at. I, you know, I have seen him on the world stage, you know, sometimes. Oh, there was that one awkward handshake with Obama that one time. Do you remember they mm-hmm. were like they couldn't figure out how to do a three way handshake? I remember that. Um, it's you know <laughs> weird things like that come to mind when it comes to the the world leader. So how long is the term for Trudeau? Is, is how long? Many years? Um, well, it's typically four. Um, yes. typically now in this particular case, though, we're in what's called a minority government. So meaning that it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like how your house and Senate works, right? There's a majority and they typically have the votes to get stuff done. Right. So from that perspective, mm-hmm. um, except in our parliament, when it's a minority government, if you get voted a vote of non-confidence, meaning that you couldn't do the deal, uh, then they it will trigger an election. So, for example, he's been in for a little over a year in the second term as a minority leader. He was a majority leader before, minority leader this time. And it's possible, most people are expecting, that it's going to trigger an election coming up here in the next 60 to 90 days because they'll do a non-confidence vote. So it forces, it's uh, minority governments are kind of good in that they force parties to work together. When you have all the votes, they just do what they want to do, right? Toe the party line. But in this case, they've got to go do deals with other parties and say, well, here, how can we get enough votes to make sure that this works? Now, in this particular case, what it does is it puts the weakest party, usually has the most power. You know, there's some parties only have three, four seats, right? But if they only need three or four seats, they just got to go grease the palm of that party. And then they become the most powerful party to say yes or no in Canada. And they have next to no seats. So it's messed up that way. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of is how they handle estates in Mexico when someone dies. Do you know how that works? No. Okay, so this is what it reminds me. So we have uh, some friends here in St. Louis. He grew up in Mexico, moved here, married an American, lives here. Um, and our kids are friends, and my wife and her are friends. And I've been over, and we visited. And I- I've asked him about this before. He said his dad, one of like eight kids, uh, he said, listen, in Mexico, that's normal. So his dad died, which had been his grandpa. And it came time to figure out, okay, uh, who's who gets the house? And since there wasn't anything written or whatever it was, this is what happens. The government says, okay, you have to work it out among yourselves. So all of you eight kids decide. If you can't come to a conclusion, the government owns your house. So you Whoa. better hurry up and you better figure out who, who wants this. So the uh, no one could uh, decide on splitting it or whatever it was. And eventually... Just out of, okay, we don't want the government to have it. They ended up giving it to the one girl, the the one sister, and she's the one that inherited the house. But that's how the Mexican government works on those things. Now, when you wow. explained how this works in, in Canada, it's that uh, if you can't get along, we're just going to, you know what? We're just going to, we're just going to break it all up and we're just going to start over again. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I had no idea that that was um, that that was a thing. I've had a couple of text messages come in, Ryan, from the audience, uh, reminding you, uh, asking me to remind you of a couple of things. There was. Uh, yeah. Did you guys ever hear about the speaking moistly thing that happened up here? <laughs> no. All right. So, <laughs> no. um, in the very beginning of COVID, he was doing a, a, a presser speech, and he'd said, "You know, we all need to be careful and and stop speaking moistly." And he stops as he says it, and he goes, "Oh, that's an image." Um, but speaking oh, moistly no. actually became a song. People turned it into a song, and uh, it was absolutely uh, quite remarkable. Um, that one sort of hit YouTube. And then there was the We Charity. I don't know if you know the We Foundation down in America. They're global. No, do not. Um, they were like, uh, they would bring in, it's basically like a youth movement of creating change in the world. It was incredibly political, though. And they 
Um, <laughs> so they, they were going to give them like $900 billion, uh, $900 million, excuse me, to, um, to help out with summer jobs for students and everything in Canada. But then they found out that all of those approvals happened when Justin Trudeau's wife was being paid as a public speaker for We Foundation, and so was his mother, and so was his brother. Ooh, <laughs> and ooh. like it was the stinkiest of stinky. And um and so that's just one good example of some of the things that have gone on. In fact, so much oh, and it was terrible too, because they were taking the money and there was like this property arm of the organization and they they um you know, all of these things. Absolutely crazy. But oh, it's um it's uh yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's <laughs> our politics are awesome. <laughs> yeah, well you probably heard here uh, so Joe Biden's son Hunter is also being investigated currently because of some dealings and how the money was uh how the money was reported or not reported and the question is was any of that facilitated or did any of that money exchange hands through Joe Biden right. when he was vice president or even after. So there's a big investigation going on there too other family members it sounds like uh, politicians and family members go hand in hand when it comes to big contracts that are given out or at least there's someone on a board somewhere or someone that's could benefit somewhere else that's just common ground here in america um wow i i just uh that's that's something that hasn't really been released they've been studying this for a while i should say investigating it for a while it's just a matter of time i think before that one comes out it doesn't sound like any of the investigation has been, uh, I guess, cut into since Biden has gotten into the White House. So there hasn't been any changes in it. We'll just have to see how it plays out. It'd be interesting to see how that one plays out. I found the audio for Speaking Moistly. Can I play it for you? Sure. All right. Um, so this is our prime minister in Canada, and someone took his comments and turned it into a song. Wash our hands. Off to our elbows. These are the things, the things we know. We know if people want to wear a mask, that is okay. These are the things, the things we know that prevents you from speaking moistly. Speaking moistly. Anyway, uh, speaking moistly Wait. has become its own thing. Did he mean Here. to say that, or is that actual uh, an actual term? No, it's not an actual term, and I think it was one, something that was written into a, into a speech that he didn't pre-read, and then he got to that part of the speech, and or it was lost <laughs> in translation, and he said, speaking moistly, and he was, you could, the look on his face was priceless, and he was like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. I just don't I think know. it was proofed. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, Funny I had a, a food story I was going to bring up to you, if that's strange or not strange, I don't know. Yeah, well, we've got about um, two minutes if you want to. Absolutely. When when you were a kid, I don't know if this is something that's common in Canada or not, but when it was your birthday, were you allowed to pick out whatever cereal you wanted for your birthday? Uh, mm, no, we were pretty conservative on the cereal. Like it was usually just the basic Cheerios. It was nothing real fancy. Oh man, my me and my friends and anyone else, it was always the hey, no veto. We'll let you pick whatever cereal you want for your birthday. Not like, you know, it's it's not like here they wrapped it for you and that was your present as a kid or whatever. But I'm saying that they gave you the option to pick a cereal. And it, I, I just wondered if that was something that was an American thing or if kids in Canada growing up had that option from their parents on their birthday. Well, I, I think that there was a lot of things like my parents used to do, you know, hey, do you want, um, you know, what do you want for breakfast today? What do you want for dinner today? So I'd say similar 
but not maybe my experience, not just specifically cereal. Oh, it was great when you're a kid. Any box of any cereal you want, go ahead, pick it out, kid, bring it back. It'll just be your box of cereal. It was a special thing because any other time of the year, no way my parents would ever let me get a box of cereal outside of the things they wanted to get naturally. So what would you what would you get then? Would you go like this is also going to date you slightly, so this is fun. What would you get? Uh, Cracklin Oat Bran, my favorite cereal. Really? Hey. Yeah. Oh, I love Not that stuff, mention. and even to this day, you know, it, it, one it always takes time, but eventually, as an adult, you grow up and realize that you're allowed to go out and buy whatever you want. Yeah. So now I buy it for myself. It just took me, you know, uh, many years later to figure it out. Uh, that's, that's funny. I do that too. And I, it, you carry that old story with you. You're walking through the store and you look at the, the cinnamon toast crunch or something like that. And you're like, you're like, ah, oh, man, yeah, that's not good. And then you're like, who cares? You like it. Just get the damn stuff. <laughs> yeah. Get the cereal. Enjoy it. And I saw that because of a tie in with the movie Ghostbusters, they're bringing back that 80s cereal, the Ghostbusters cereal this summer. Oh, no way. Oh, I don't man, know if we I had that, that down here. We should, we should do a whole thing on chocolate bars because even our chocolate bars are different between here and there really so yeah we have some like we have some major chocolate candy yeah like well m&ms you guys have an m&ms m&ms we have m&ms we have a chocolate version of that it's called a smarty it's mind-blowing wait smarties yeah. here are like a tart candy you, no they're, you're, they're no. chocolate and chocolate candy? yeah they're like a they're like they're Weird. like an m&m their own version of an m&m chocolate so very cool Things well i tell you what understand let's add it to the maybe that's why we can't figure out keystone xl we can't even get chocolate bars right <laughs> Let's talk about it next week. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to hear your voice, man. Uh, Shane, thank you so much. Have a great week. You too. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, uh, Maddie, how's our moon dial doing? You all right over there? Uh, yeah, let me, say, let me check in on the on my CB here. Hey, uh, turn four. I got the moon dial here in the in the truck, and just uh, you know, got some lot lizards on my tail, but everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Uh, Forty, sixty, eighty. <laughs> Okay, ten four. All right, ten four. Good buddy. All right, we got the moon dial. All right, <laughs> ten four. <laughs> okay, ten forty sixty eighty. Ten forty sixty eighty. Um. All right. Are you okay? Are you okay with your mama jokes? Ooh, Ooh that's a throwback. Yeah. Hey. Inherently, I mean, they're mean because nobody should disrespect somebody's mother, in my opinion. I think that's rude. Yes. Um, they have they have changed. Yeah. Your mama jokes yeah. used to be like crazy nasty. They were, your mom is so stupid, your mom is so ugly, your mom is so fat. And they've changed them now. Now it's, your mom is so silly. <laughs> like, right? They've So it, they have softened somewhat in, in the, the disrespect of the old days. Um, so the good news is, is that, you know, they, the mama jokes might be kind of funny. Let's get this clip here. I saw you and your mama, and when your mama went in for the examination, the doctor said, told your mama, take your clothes off. Now get down on all four knees against this corner over here. Okay, he said, now get down on, on four knees against this corner right here. So now get down on your knees against this four corner right here. Now get over, get on four, right this corner right here. He said, okay, put your clothes on. And doctor, she said, what's wrong, doctor? He said, ain't nothing wrong. I'm, I'm just buying a sofa next week. I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I really do like him. I just saw at Home Depot, you know, she, you know, her teeth are so crooked, she got a job making keys, but that's a whole different story. Okay? <laughs> George Wilder, your mom's so ugly. 
She went to the haunted house and they gave her an application. <laughs> now you ain't supposed to be doing no true stuff, okay? <laughs> you ain't supposed to be doing no true stuff, okay? Okay. <laughs> Ricky smiling, mama so fat she got a real horse on her polo shirt. <laughs> She's so fat when she gets on the elevator. <laughs> oh, it's going down. <laughs> Whoa, that guy oh, at the man. end really lights that joke. Really he's all in. He's all in on that one. Um, my goodness. Okay, so they have they have softened. They have changed. A competitive gamer's career is over, though. After he made some really horrible yo mama jokes, Harry Hesketh was banned from the next FIFA 21 Global Series regional qualifier after making the joke. FIFA is the soccer video game made by EA Sports, and Hesketh made the joke during a live stream early in December while facing off against a Danish gamer named Anders Vergen. Uh, Heskis made the reference to his opponent's mother when he said uh, his fingers might be quick, but mine are longer. And the ban from FIFA decided to end his professional gaming career. That's it. He's done. Remarkable. Um, now, you have to keep in mind, wow. some of these some of these like chat rooms are monitored all the time. My son was sharing a story about he had a buddy on NHL 20 who had made some comments that were terribly off color, and they blocked him from ever playing NHL 20 again. Like It was just that, that fast, that swift. So they check your IP address, they check your usernames, all your information about your box, and that's it. You're done. Now, okay, so Yo Mama jokes have changed. And I went, I looked up the Yo Mama jokes, and there's the old ones, kind of like those guys were doing with, like, the fat and the ugly ones, and, you know, the kind of dated, right, that mentality. Yeah, yeah. But I found this one. It's from a mom website, and so they've softened them a little bit. It's like, Yo Mama's so silly, stuff like that. But they're fundamentally the same jokes. So do you want to throw a few out, Ryan? You... I got a couple here. I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll just say that uh, the one that I kind of have is is a more uh, what's the word old school mm-hmm. one. You know, it's more of the. Uh, you know, I went to school. I was in elementary school and then early high school when all this stuff got really, really popular. And I do remember one that stuck with me, and it's just really simple. Yo, mama is so ugly. Even Hello Kitty said goodbye to her. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's a classic one. Yeah. I have one like involving like a mom and a washing machine, but it's really filthy. So I'll tell you guys off air. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, Texter says, I'm cool with yo mama jokes, just not my mama jokes. That's pretty good. I feel that. Yeah, I feel (laughs) that. Um, Yo mama's so, this is fun. Like, there's some fun ones too. Your mama's so rich, even her yacht has a yacht. See, like, those are nice. Those aren't real, like, yo mama jokes. Um, that's a compliment. See, and is this, this, this is where the, the, the ugly, stupid jokes have changed. Mm-hmm. Your mama's so funny, she went to the dentist to get a Bluetooth. See, uh, it, it loses its luster. <laughs> oh, a little bit, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, your mama's so silly, she put airbags on her computer in case it crashed. See, that's, the, that's funny. That's kind of like a bad funny. pun. That's what these are becoming. It's the it same kind of <laughs> laugh that you get from the pun. And it's <laughs> just puns. ridiculous to think that somebody's career is over because he said that. But I mean, the thing is, e- is esports nasty, is considered though. in this gener in that generation as a sport. They these are athletes. You know, yep. these are these are quotation athletes. So they say something like that. They get canned. Like, uh, it's interesting, eh? But uh, I've just can you imagine losing your career because you said a horrible, horrible yo mama joke. Well, if it were hockey, Man. they would, um, they would, you'd get suspended and fined, yep. right? So it wouldn't surprise me if some of that changed. Yo mama's so old, her birth certificate has ex- says expired on it. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I like this one. Um, it's my favorite. 
Yo mama teeth so yellow, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> that's all right. I actually like that one. I like that yeah, one. That's my favorite. That's my favorite of them. Um, your mama's so hot, she makes jalapenos cry, which is funny because it's on a mom website, so of course they got to throw that one in there. The yeah. list goes on and on and on. Uh, and all the your mama jokes, most of the your mama jokes that are coming in on text message, thank you, um, <laughs> none of which are appropriate for the radio. Uh, even on this show, the dumpster fire in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> your mama's no, teeth are so yellow that traffic slows down when she's nearby. <laughs> you know, I like, love it. Yeah? Oh, I love it. See, I think that's funny. I think that's a fair ball. I think that that's a fair ball joke today uh, in the, the, the Mama jokes, right? Uh, all I will say is um, Dwayne's one, which we're not going to read, but Dwayne's submission is a classic. Oh, funny. Yes, thank you, Dwayne. That is a classic Mama joke. Sorry, I just read it. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's a good <laughs> one. All right, this is the story that I'm most excited about. Of the whole day today. Whole I'm day. I'm very excited. The whole day. Let I've been so it. excited all day. I snuck it into the list of ideas on the show. Ryan said to me, he goes, hey, so what's this here? <laughs> I was like, well, that's dinosaur bumps, buddy. And here we are with this story for you. It's like an are you okay, but we're not really asking are you okay. We're just saying, hey, this is fun. Some pretty exciting news in the world of our favorite extinct creatures. It's, it's a dinosaur. Uh-huh. <laughs> you did. You crazy son of a bitch, you did. Well, put your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Zatler, welcome to Jurassic Park. Okay, so imagine that, except less Jurassic Park and more Jurassic Fart. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Count me in. I'm all about fart jokes. Can never go wrong. <laughs> According to research uh, and LiveScience.com, this is a cool story, and the picture is quite remarkable. The first dinosaur butthole ever discovered is shedding a little light on... Uh, where the dino sun did not shine. The discovery reveals how dinosaurs used this multi-purpose opening, scientifically known as a cloacal vent. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, I think so. For, for pooping. <laughs> a vent. <laughs> peeing, breeding, and egg laying. All in one. So, the dinosaur's butt is so well-preserved, researchers could see the remnants of two small bulges by its back door, which might have housed musky scent glands that the reptile possibly used during courtship. Um, an anatomical quirk also seen in living crocodilians, said scientists who studied the specimen. And you can see in the photo, um, the, um, like the, the picture of it, like, it's right there. And they, they even have some, coloring to a point where they think that it's the coloring of of the beast so they've done some renderings of of what it might look like um <laughs> i love this story i'm sorry i think this is the best thing ever um all right 
The crazy thing, nope, the well-preserved booty belongs to the Dinosaurus Sitacosaurus, a bristly-tailed Labrador dog-sized horn-faced dinosaur, meaning that it was a relative of the Triceratops. So it's about as big as a dog. The crazy thing is that the discovery of this butthole shows that the decided the dinosaur likely had copulatory sex, unlike some birds uh, that bump butts when they do their uh, <laughs> their little <laughs> chicka chicka bow wow during re- reproduction. So, this is a whole new place on the shift where we uh, dig into, um, you know. Dinosaur butts, but here we are. It's a crazy detailed look at how dinosaurs might have mated. And uh, what about if they fell in love? Here's an oh. adorable children's story from Rosenthal, sung by uh, Tom Rosenthal, sung by his daughter. Dinosaurs eating people. Dinosaurs in love. Dinosaurs having a party. They eat fruit and cucumbers. Sounds like Ike hey. from South Park, and it made me so happy. I like that, and I would, I you know, I would lose my radio card if I didn't take the opportunity to um, to uh, share, you know, the dinosaur booty song, which is uh, dinosaur booties uh, everywhere that we go. <laughs> we we went from that to this real quick. Miss New Booty. <laughs> it's been a it's i guess we've taken this into a really dark place is it darker? Is it just progression of life you know we went from a childhood wondrous beautiful children's story to a song about dinosaur booty that's just life we all go there <laughs> but I mean, we all go there yeah i guess that's that's kind of the thing about archaeology and things like that like how else are we gonna you know we find out what we find out from what we find and we're crawling into <laughs> crawling into or up, you know, an avenue of of history. Oh, Here we go. He's an trying to dig avenue. himself out of it now. An avenue. <laughs> He's trying to dig himself out. Yep. Oh my god. Um it it does go to it does speak to how much we don't know and how much we assume about so many things. I mean, really, if you're looking at the science of all this stuff, this is the first preserved dinosaur butthole that they've ever found. So that goes to tell you that every single piece of dinosaur story or folklore or whatever, they didn't even know how it went poop. No. I mean, they could take a guess, but that's because the only thing, it's really hard for fleshy things to say preserved, right? Bones can that's why it's so easy to well not easy to find dinosaur bones but it, you can study those easier so that's why they were freaking out when they found this they're like oh my god this is the mother load 
That's like, do you remember (laughs) in the oil fields (laughs) (laughs) when they found that dinosaur, uh, like practically mummified in, Mm -hmm. in oil and it's at the Royal Tyrell museum right now. If you look at it, it looks like a perfectly preserved dinosaur as much as you could be. They're freaking Mm -hmm. out about it because you never get to see the whole shape of the dinosaur. Uh, I love dinosaur stuff so that's much. Cool. Even even dinosaur buttholes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. You never get to see the whole picture of dinosaurs when you, you know, even the when whole you go, picture. Go, yeah, even when you go to a, you know, like an amazing place such as the Royal, Royal Tower Museum, one of the greatest places on Earth, as far as I'm concerned. Was there fossilized poop to go with it? Mm, did not include that in the article. I'm gonna guess no. I don't think so. Uh, I, I do suggest it, that you look it up, though. Yeah, I, I, like you just Google dinosaur, uh, like maybe not at work, but Google um, fossilized dinosaur butthole. Yeah, and and you'll see it. Yeah, there's just so much knowledge in our rearview mirror. Oh dear. Oh gee, I love that the <laughs> one of the headlines I found for the story when I was researching it is quote first preserved dinosaur butthole is perfect and unique. Paleontologist says. Yeah, I mean, uh, but that's the thing. Like, it, it, it's unique because it's the first one found, or you know, rarest one found. But like, I guess like a dinosaur, you know, they all have one. Well, it's we all have one, right? <laughs> um, but that's the thing, though. They might not have. I mean, they might have found it before, but they were like, "Hey, this dinosaur has a weird nose," but they don't know. Like, that's not a dinosaur. Like, some <laughs> aliens looking down at us, going, "That's not a dinosaur nose." That's a dinosaur butthole, you dumbos. <laughs> They've been watching us and they're just waiting. This is this is the discovery in which aliens have decided, all right, it's time for us to reveal they're ourselves. Ready? They yeah. were waiting for us to find this. They found the All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. They finally found the dinosaur butthole. They're ready to meet the aliens now. Time <laughs> this to go. Was it. Mars attacks. And this is I mean, it's gonna spark so much discussion too, but and everyone's gonna have their opinions, you know, on this and but, you know, opinions are like dinosaur buttholes. You know, everyone's got one. Everyone's got one. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pun bank tonight, Matt. You just have them on demand. I'm just pulling them out of my, well, you know. Uh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Uh, there was a subheadline in Popular Science that said the Klauka uh, cloaca is the whole cloaca is the whole e-grail to understand prehistoric copulation. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, also, yes, I'm all for puns. They make my nights and my day yeah. and my morning. So when you when you uh, continue with your day and you think, where is my time most well spent this week? You remember. Yo mama jokes and dinosaur buttholes. Raising the bar of Canadian radio. It's the Shift Podcast. It's one of my favorite times of the week. We've got to get started with the International Dispatchy. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. All the way from Tokyo. And here he is. Uh, Sir Christopher Gilbert joins us here on the Shift. How is life in Tokyo today? Life in Tokyo is Samui des. Samui des. Repeat after me. Samui des. What does yeah, that mean? Samui it's cold. Des. It's cold. It's cold today. It's a cold day. Samui it's a cold, des. wintry day. Yep. Yep. The Chris snow is, is falling. Japanese. 
I am learning my Japanese. I'm I'm working very hard at it. My my atama is ipai. My brain is full, um, and I can't think anymore. So I'm gonna squeegee some of my thoughts out onto the radio tonight for y'all. Yeah, what's going on in um, what's going on in the world? I mean, Chris's story. If you don't know Chris, Chris is uh, he's a Kiwi, and then he came to Canada, became a Canuck, and then uh, through relationships and jobs, is off to one of his favorite places in the world, which is Japan and Tokyo. So here is where uh, Chris lies today. But what's what's happening in your in your world back home? Because your your countrymen seem mm-hmm. to seem to really get lit up. I mean, they're on an island. It seems to me that keeping COVID <laughs> out should be pretty easy at this point. Just stop letting anybody leave the island. But it, yeah. it's it's not that simple for them, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, like people have lives, they come and they go and stuff. And I would say that they've done um, a remarkably good job being effectively COVID free after, what, six weeks of lockdown um, nine months ago, you know, and they've, mm-hmm. I think they've had maybe a couple of cases since then. Um, so I, I want to you know, like talk about New Zealand a bit tonight and talk about what I call, uh, you know, New Zealand brain. Uh, the, a kind of special way of seeing the world and see if we can't yeah. teach some of that. Um, okay. And, and it's kind of based around this story. Let, let's play this first clip here. Good evening. The thing we were all dreading has finally happened again. No, it's, it's not a new Billy Joel album. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> wow. it's, a, it's a new COVID case. Oh, one, one COVID case. Has been detected in the community. Yeah, one, one. Bringing New Zealand's grand total of community COVID cases to how many? Let me guess. One, 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 two, one, one oh, case. Wow. So th- there are maybe like six to ten cases every day uh, inside managed isolation facilities, a quarantine hotel. So everyone, you know, just like everywhere, they, I think, in Canada at the border, did. You still have to make your own plan, right? When I was in Vancouver, it's like as long as you make your own plan when you you come home and you tell us yeah, what your plan is to quarantine. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, you yeah. go home, but you have to go straight home. Yeah, right. So if you land in Auckland, you have to stay in a government-approved facility for two weeks. You have to pay for it yourself. And thirdly, you have to buy a voucher because these things are all full of when you can go. So you have to book months in ahead to get a voucher for a quarantine hotel. And at that quarantine hotel, they, they serve you pretty much cold food and takeaway cartons. Um, and the military is there. You're allowed, it's, you're allowed to go for a small walk around a car park for maybe uh, two or three minutes a day. Um, and then you get tested uh, uh, maybe two or three times while you're there. And there's military at the, at the gates and at the front. It's pretty intense. It's, you know, it's like a real quarantine. It's like a wartime quarantine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, there's been no COVID in New Zealand for, you know, many, many, many months now, effectively. And now one entered the community. So, uh, yeah, let's hear, let's hear a little bit more about this. The positive case is a 56-year-old woman who lives south of Whangare, where she was now self-isolating at home. Connor Whitten was at today's announcement by health officials and begins our coverage. Begins the coverage. Whoa. So the this coverage. is like live coverage. The coverage. Yep. Be- huh. Begins it. This is uh, this is, this is like pre Super Bowl, right? It's um, 
Yeah, I guess dun, if, dun, if dun, the Super Bowl ads were the news, then it's kind of like that. <laughs> but it's wall to wall. They had like four live reporters all standing out in the street with their thumbs up their butt, you know, just like with nothing happening behind them. It was it was pretty serious. So, um, I mean, so, so at the moment, what do you guys make of that? Just like the, the quarantine thing. Well, I think the idea is, I mean, in a small country, it works. I don't know if it works in a big country, but I think it's a it's not a bad idea to make sure that I mean, especially if they're paying for the, themselves, to lock people up. I mean, I also said that there's no way that in the, when this started, I said we don't need arrows on the floor of the grocery store, mm. and it turns out that. Um, People need arrows on a grocery store floor in order to be able to get around yeah. the grocery store, um, right? So yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 everything like that. So when back home, I mean, I've been watching it's a summer of cricket at the moment. I love cricket, and I've been watching it on the internet. And it's you know like the the stadiums are all full of people sitting next to each other with no masks on. And, wow. uh, you know, like there's, there's music festivals with people like this. You, you don't have those little squares that people stand in at the music festivals or honk their car <laughs> at, at Billy Joel or whatever. It's, it's that people are sitting next to each other and sweating yeah. on each other and stuff, you know, and cats and dogs are living together. It's just like normal life. And, and so they really haven't experienced anything like what we have gone through. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to do a little experiment. And it's going to be a little bit of an exploration into the psyche, and uh, maybe you can come with me, maybe you can't, but let's just get to it. Imagine everything we've gone through this year from, like, uh, you know, like the, you know, the horrible um, numbers and, like, having to wear a mask every day and everything that we've had to do and how subtextual that has become. And uh, just, like, Shane, like, what, what's one thing you think has been the hardest for you? Probably not seeing people, right? Like, yeah. I like working from home. I have no problem with it, but... Um the hardest thing for me has been putting on pants that have a button. So I've had to, because of my, <laughs> my, my body shape has changed so much. I've had to go to stretchy pants. So I have yeah. a new love affair for stretchy pants, but probably the activity and the, and the people. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, absolutely. I mean, for me, I think it's just that it's become also subtextual, right? Like, Oh, what did I touch? Oh, who did I see? Where did I breathe? Oh, yeah. Did I lick that wall? You know, stuff like that. Um, so, but New Zealand has no comprehension of that constant state of anxiety at all. So when something like this happens, you get news with a certain tone to it. Um, so here's an example. Here's, here's the next clip. Already in Northland, the message is spreading. If in doubt, get a test. This Carmore testing centre normally sees just four cars come through in a day. But today, it's 40 and counting. After two months, COVID is back. It's back. Da, da, da. It's back. 40 cars. 40. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, that's, outrageous. That's the whole island. There was more than in four cars inside they the were... last testing facility I went to. There was more cars inside getting tested at once <laughs> than all day. And that was yep. one spot in one. Oh, man. Perspective, right? Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. So, and this is this is one case. By the way, there are now eight-hour queues to get tested. Whoa! So this is one case. This is just one case. Uh, her two close contacts, her husband and her hairdresser, different people, are both tested negative, so they are fine. But there's been no there's been no failure. Um, there's been no government lapse. Uh, she got off the plane, tested negative, did her time, used the um, the app when she got out. A week later, um, positive. Here's some more information. 
The positive case, a 56-year-old woman, she tested positive yesterday, more than a week after leaving managed isolation. 14 days in Auckland's Pullman Hotel. It's likely to be the country's first community case of the more transmissible and more deadly new strain. <gasps> That's not fear mongering sure. at all. Yeah, not sure. Like, it's not more deadly. That's been proven. Like, it's, it's, it's just more transmissible and it... It, you shed more virus and it gets stuck in your airways more easily, but it's not actually more deadly. And secondly, there are two new strains which are not actually completely, you know, compatible. So just not sure. And but yeah, there, there's a certain a, a tone of uh, what's say urgency going on here. Are you detecting that? Shame, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, shame. Shame. Oh my god, I want to talk about shame. Um. Okay, we'll get to that soon. Here's the next clip. The woman travelled to Mangafai, around southern Northland, and to Helensville at Auckland's door. In all, she visited 30 locations, and the Ministry oh. of Health will soon advise where. But for How now, there is absolutely no need to panic about anything. A day we all knew could be coming, about to test our COVID response. <sighs> she went to 30... 30- so wait a second. So she went into the quarantine. She finished the quarantine. Then she went about her life. And how dare she go to 30 places in a land of no okay. COVID? My blood pressure is rising. <laughs> I've listened to this story three or four times, and I've edited it myself. And every time I hear it, I just... Do, do you get where I'm coming from? Like, are you what? are you picking up this? Yeah. Is it always like this in New Zealand, though? Like, because it's so isolated? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is this is like big drama? Mm-hmm. Do you remember, um, Shay, were you around? I, I, I know Maddie was there when I did the story about the naughty tourists that Christmas. Naughty there was tourists. like that British family which traveled through New Zealand, leaving like a trail of like Snickers wrappers behind oh, them. Oh, yes. And, like, yes. Yeah. And, yep. <laughs> and like the New Zealand media just went absolutely like just has. Well, I, yeah. I keep thinking of words I can't say, but it wasn't it wasn't pretty. Yeah, they turned, um, they turned them into social pariahs, basically. Exactly. You said it so much more eloquently than I would have. But yeah, social pariahs, absolutely. And so these are the people who are like, how dare you, sir? How dare you do everything right and then live a normal life afterwards? Um, And it it continues. Let's listen to the next clip. Okay, Connor, can you tell us um, what this woman was doing overseas? Yeah. What were you doing overseas, lady? (laughs) Come on. <laughs> yeah. How dare you go overseas just, and come back and follow the rules? I'm just sitting at home here just like watching the news, you know, just squeezing my coffee mug until it explodes in my hands. And by <laughs> getting over, fur- And by overseas did like they just go to Australia or something or Well, no, she went to Spain and she went to the Netherlands, but she went there to see family. She wasn't like gallivanting around, you know, sniffing the finest cheeses. Well, I'm sure she was doing that. But like she was, you know, she was it was somewhat utilitarian. She was seeing her family and then she came home. Follow the rules. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you can you can leave or you can't. Right. And you can. And, and, and the thing is that if you leave, you've got to pay when you come back. And she did. And, she did. and then she did everything right. And uh, now she has some 12 year old pimple-ass reporter on the news ex- having to explain her actions to the whole country. Oh. And I... I uh, yeah. Yeah. You can hear you're and frustrated. 
Oh, dude, I'm holding back. I really am, because I realize we've got two minutes left, and I like if I launch into this, I'm not going to stop. Well, why not? Give her. I don't care. We'll figure it out. <sighs> okay, so like, I'm just so sick of this. You know, like New Zealand. Here's here's a message to New Zealand. You're going to get COVID. It's going to happen. You can build a wall around the country and not let anybody in or anybody out, but COVID is still going to come in like Tim Robbins at the end of Shawshank Redemption. You know, it's just going to it's just gonna burst through the sewers, absolutely covered in poop, and just be like, I still made it here. It's a lot of you know, poop on the show. You know what? It is a very poopy show. Yeah. It does seem to come up a lot. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. It has to come out a lot. Oh God! <laughs> but like, it's going to happen, and and it's just—it's so frustrating to, to 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 see somewhere that I call home um, from the outside being like believing that they are naturally immune to something that and honestly, which is quite entitled, and I think they take the situation for granted. Can because, I ask a very direct question? Oh yes, is. Uh, uh, the media or the people of New Zealand, you're from there, th- yeah. always this pretentious that they feel like they can control everything, and how dare you? That's such a good question. Because um, I, I, I talk about this a lot with my friends, because I have a lot of New Zealand friends here, and we talk about it, and we all wring our hands over it, because I think you have to leave and exit the Stockholm Syndrome to go back and see where you're from, <laughs> you know? And, and uh-huh. so we all have the same kind of way of seeing it. And we can, we kind of kick the ball around, but we never really score the goal in the conversation, you know. So pretension is a really interesting word. Also, like arrogance, maybe, to think you can arrogance, control maybe, something yeah. like this. But yeah. pretentious to me adds a little bit. Arrogant is like like flagrant in that, right? As opposed to pretentious, I feel like that there is this expectation of control, right? Like It's like... I got this. You're, I'm smart, righteous, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like there's just that little bit of smidge of a difference. Uh, I mean, you, it, New Zealand is effectively, um, it is effectively a resort and you're lucky to be in the resort. And, mm-hmm. it, and if you, if you leave the resort, you think you're better than us. And if you want to come back to the resort, then you have to earn your passage back. Sir Christopher Gilbert, the International Dispatch, uh, here on the show. We are talking about what it's like to uh, live in New Zealand. That's where he's from and later became a Canadian. So, Chris, when you moved away, has it been a problem, this sort of pretentious attitude that, you know, if you move away, you're too cool for us now? Do you get grief still? Um, I don't get grief. I think it's just sort of like in the same way that uh, I don't know what it's like to be a Russian gypsy. Uh, New Zealanders don't know what it's like to not be a New Zealander. Um, So so it's like when I left or when somebody leaves a place that's so small and so isolated, like you only know New Zealand. Like you only know that that culture and that world. And um, I haven't really small town mentality, right? Well, look, when I when I I, I've gone back once. uh, for a Christmas a couple of years ago, and when I arrived at Auckland Airport, my I could tell my psychology had changed because I, 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 I was like, "Oh my God, it's a farm! Like this is mm. the, the international airport of like what I thought was a major country, and it's a farm with sheep walking around. What is <laughs> like? It's tiny. That man's wearing tiny little shorts and gum boots. You can't wear a singlet in public. Everyone can see you back here. 
or you know, just stuff like that. And I was like, what is this? Oh my well, god! Well, that's home, brother. Yeah, that's home. Well, well you know, so I, I, but the thing is that I can see that, and I think if a, a New Zealander hears that, they think I'm being pretentious. Right. Um, but the thing is that I'm not actually judging it. I'm just like, oh, where I come from is actually a very small place. Um, and I, I think what can happen is, uh, I mean, there's tall poppy syndrome, which is a whole nother kettle of fish, and we won't get into that right now. Um, but you just gain a worldliness from leaving that because you just can't help it. You encounter other cultures, other ways of thinking, other ways of seeing the world. I have done that in Tokyo. I've done that in Canada. I've done that in other travels, uh, you know, in the Middle East and stuff. And I, when you go home, you just can't have the same conversations with people because they're in the context of New Zealand. And I, I just want to play one very short quick clip quickly right at the end here. Um, it's uh, it's number eight, Maddie. It's NZ COVID-8. And I think this really illustrates for a country which has had no COVID, uh, the cluelessness and isolation. Are we doing well? Are we doing well or are we not doing well when it comes to the border, when it comes to the testing, when it comes to um, the quarantine facilities? Are, are we doing well or is there a thought that we're not? One COVID case. Are we doing well? <laughs> no COVID. No COVID. They have no COVID. Are we yep. doing well? Are we good? Are we good boys? Tell yeah. us we're good. Well, that's interesting. That's a whole other conversation. You know, Chris, this has been very insightful. Uh, thank you so much for this. Um, I think it's good perspective, too, for us when we think about we're not doing well or we are doing well. Uh, take it as you leave it uh, or as you look at politics for our country as well. It's great to see your face. Thanks for joining us on the Zoom call and here on the radio. Always love it. Love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.